Okay, so yeah. as we tape this, it is the exact day, the 30th anniversary of one of the more unique situations where Robin Ventura and Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura went to the mound and Texas folklore was born in that probably goes down as one of the more notable Rangers highlights. And what's weird is we were talking in the hallway about this, Sean, and two of the more notable highlights from the Rangers were fights with Ruggie mm-hmm. Odor and yeah. with Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura. But it did get me thinking. Notable highlights from the stars. And clearly the obvious one was Brett Hull winning the Stanley Cup with the goal against Buffalo. But then I started thinking, what are some other notable highlights that when I look back on my stars watching, my stars fandom, what got me excited to cover this team, to be a part of this this franchise, to help hockey grow? And two come to mind. Jamie Benn winning the scoring title with that amazing effort in the final game of the season where everyone was on their feet and it was going crazy. Everyone in the building knew what was going on. And that, to me, was so cool. Sidebar to that story, my friend wanted to beat traffic, so we were in the concourse when it happened, but that's another story. (laughs) The second one, Mike Madonna becoming the all-time American scorer. I thought that was marquee in San Jose. I love the call. Uh, by Ralph and Razor. I just thought it was terrific. So those are the three that come to mind, and I know there are others. Um, I think, you know, not a marquee moment, but the Jeremy Roenick hit and the retaliation um, by the stars is something that, you know, forever lives in my mind. And I wanted to ask you, Sean, what moments stick out in your mind as we, I guess, celebrate the 30th anniversary of the brawl in which Nolan Ryan took Robin Ventura in a headlock and forever we see that image. I mean, Robin Ventura, real quick, on a side note, a couple about uh, a little bit later in his career, hit one of the most influential uh, baseball plays of my young baseball fan to being a young Mets fan, the uh, Grand Slam single in, mm-hmm. in 99 when he uh, uh, knocked out the Braves in the NLC in the NLCS. So that was, uh, I will always... Uh, remember Robin Ventura fondly on on that level as you should Uh, yeah and by the way by the way does not get the credit he deserves as an amazing baseball player I mean Robin Ventura was a marquee batter at the plate this is not some guy Robin Ventura was amazing as a baseball player Part of one of the uh, greatest uh, defensive infields in baseball history with him and Edgardo Alfonso <laughs> and uh, Ray Ardonia. Sure. Uh, it was uh, it was it was uh, one of the greatest infields in, in baseball history. But that's that's me. That's me and my late uh, late Love it. my childhood Mets fandom there. Um, the like uh, you say the right. The. Number one is obviously winning the cup. It's the. It's, it's, it's that, um, to me, some of the like signature moments, and obviously I, I, I have a little bit of an advantage talking about this cause I went and written a whole book about this team and, and everything like that. Um, 
it's hard not to look at, I mean, in a singular kind of, and it wasn't one singular moment as much, but game seven of the 99 Western conference finals, obviously that's a, that's a, it's a game seven to go to the cup and you, you don't win that game seven. You're not, you're not going to win the cup. And so it, it's easy to, when a team is only one has one championship, like the stars do, it's easy to try to lump things around that team. So for this exercise, I'm going to intentionally like not talk about the 99 team because I think it's not really fair where it's because there's so many things from that run. Right. Um, now I look at, it's hard to not put the, um, the the Brendan Morrow Cinco de Morrow goal. Oh, in that's there a good because, one. Yes, because because it is such a um, it's it's such a it's such an iconic spot for the franchise, but it's also one of those iconic playoff overtime hockey things that's always going to be remembered. Passed um, by Robida. Yeah, and it's and it's something that meant, um, and it's something that on a team level meant more too, right? Where it's like I, I love the the Jamie Ben Art Ross story. It's one of the best Art Ross winning moments in NHL history. And it's unfortunately the the while the Brendan Morrow Cinco de Moro goal has gotten better with age, the Jamie Ben um Art Ross winner has history hasn't been as kind, right? Because of even as dramatic as he it was and everything like that, um, it was uh, 88 points. What was it? No, how many points was it? It was 87, yeah. Yeah. right? It wasn't many. And like, it's, it's, it's time has not been kind to that because it's become more and more of the, like this year, right? Someone with 87 points um, would have been 20th in the league in scoring. Like William Nylander had 87 points Amazing. in the league in scoring. So it's the the Ben winning the Art Ross thing. I think it's good to talk about and it's good to bring up because it was really cool in that moment. And it was a really big deal. The Stars haven't won many individual awards. Um, one of the actually one of the reasons it's even more impressive that Yuri Latinen won three Selkies is that he did it in Dallas, where historically, and it's gotten better, but historically they've been kind of ignored by voters. So um, the, the fact that how many points Ben had and how the game has evolved and everything like that, it's like, it's one of those things where if you look back through history, like Jason Robertson scored 109 points this year, he didn't get a trophy. Jamie Ben got, got a trophy for scoring 22 less points in a season. And so history has, history hasn't been kind to that. Um, And the same thing goes on where it's, it happened too with Tyler Sagan was scratched for being late to a team meeting and everything like that. So it's one of those moments that I think is, was so much more fun in the moment and you wish you could almost travel back to it without any curse of knowledge from the future, because I think that really hurt it because it really was cool. Um, for me, one of the hallmark moments that I'll always remember. And I think, because it's easier for me for stuff that I was there in person for too and everything like that. But um, the Radulov power play goal and the cotton bowl, I don't know 
you'll never like that to me is one of the coolest moments I've ever witnessed in that winter classic where it's the the you you see the pass from Klingberg to Radulov you see the wind up the anticipation of uh, anticipation of of more than 80,000 people watching this and then the finish and with the the Radulovian celebration and everything like that like that to me is it's it's easily a top moment in Dallas Stars history right there because never will you have a larger crowd for a hockey game in Texas never will you have that type of roar on a Richter scale type roar because of the pure amount of people and it was just so cool because for me, the setting was so cool where it was such a like a such a slap in the face of the traditionalist values of like, yo, you can't do like it was just the that was like the that was the like the shot across the bow to anyone who's ever questioned hockey in Texas. You could just show that clip. You could show that goal. You could show you could show the 30 second build up to that power play goal and then the crowd reaction and you'd be like, shove it. Like to me, that is one of those. If, if we're taking away moments, if we're, we're trying not to use 99, that to me is, is right up there because even though it wasn't a playoff game, it just, it was from a stars fan unison moment. It's the one thing. It's the one moment where anyone who claims they were there, they probably actually were. Cause too often, right. Too often we'll be like, like what, like, like, like I remember hearing the stat where like, there's something where it's like, like somehow, like somehow like a hundred thousand people have claimed they were at like Michael Jordan's last game. And it's like, it's like, well, Mike, like, well, the the United center only held 20,000 people. Yeah. Like, like it was, it's one of those things where as a, from a stars um, perspective, that goal by Rajat love, like that to me is, that's that's right up there when we take away when we don't look at obviously the cup winner by Brett Hull and everything like that and um it's I, I think that is uh that that one to me I think might even be a strong number too if we if if we if if we commit to taking uh just from the community aspect and everything like that I, I think I think it would be a good contender for two actually okay those are uh those are good and this week on. Chap Shots, Sean posted an interesting article. Don't overreact to NHL arbitration <laughs> valuations. Now, while this doesn't work, doesn't completely, you know, stars related, maybe not this year, but, you know, in the future. Yeah. And go into that a little bit and what you meant by that, because that's primarily what is in the NHL news right now as far as arbitration. And you see the differences between what the team's offering and what the player's offering. And it certainly isn't $50,000 apart. I mean, it is usually vastly apart. So explain arbitration to those that, you know, are the new hockey fan or the hockey fan that says, you know, I don't understand why, how do they come to an agreement? Why are they so far apart? Yeah. So um, one of the things that hockey in general has one of the issues hockey has in general, and I like to think we combat that on this podcast and I combat that in my writing sometimes, is I think um, a lot of the workings of the hockey machine are slightly different than other sports. And so people think we can just apply other sports things to hockey too often. Um, 
like for example um i have a really good friend who's a uh who lives in columbus ohio and he's a blue jackets fan and he was texting me about he's trying to he's been becoming he's coming a new hockey fan and everything like that and texting around the time of the draft and um I was kind of explaining the ins and outs of the draft where obviously a player like Adam Fentilli, who went number three, um, will play for Columbus this year. But Gavin Brindley, who is going to be a pretty good player, I think, isn't going to be a Blue Jacket for a while. That's just how the system works. Um, And so I think arbitration, people get a lot of people get confused on arbitration in the NHL because they think it's baseball. And Baseball arbitration is is different. Um, in both scenarios, both sides come to the table with a number. But in baseball, the arbitration works this way: if uh, if the if the pl- the player is asking, I'm going to use very simple numbers on purpose. If the if the if the player thinks he's worth three million and the team where thinks he's worth two million um he's either going to get three million dollars two million dollars the arbitrator comes to the table he hears both arguments he th- he then picks it's like okay well this argument the player's argument was better so i'm picking the player's salary where on and so when baseball arbitration values come out the player will be getting one of those two values there's no in between Hockey arbitration is more like mediation. Um, And I think if we use the word mediation, it would actually probably people would be less freaking out about it. It's basically like you're going to buy. It's like you're going to buy a house or a car or something like that. And you're negotiating where you've you've had some negotiations and now it's got to a point where you need some a middleman to help you figure out the true value and everything like that. And that middle mediator can give any value he or she chooses. They could give any value that he or she chooses. Now, they're always 99% of the time, they split it right down the middle. But the Ducks and Troy Terry, for example, and this is the case that really propped this all up, the Ducks and Troy Terry submitted their value tra- valuations for arbitration. Troy Terry at $8 million, the Ducks said $4.5 million. That's obviously a pretty big gap between the two of them. Troy Terry knew he was never going to get $8 million. The Ducks knew they were never going to pay $4.5 million. Those aren't good faith offers. Those are, well, I got to tank this guy's value as much as possible from the team side. So that's where the arbitrator starts. Just like um, if you go into negotiation for any contract and you ask for $100 to use very simple numbers, but you really, if, if you want $100, you're not going to come to the table asking for $100. You're going to say, hey, I want 120 And then you're going to have that wiggle room to get yourself there. And let me so, let me just stop you there and, for one yeah, second, Sean, yeah, because yeah. I think this is very relatable what you just said to guys like you, myself, people listening out there. How much does the player get involved in that? Does he like Troy Terry? Does he hear yeah. actually what the duck or is that the agent's job to kind of mask it? Because I know in the past it can cause a lot of bad friction between player and team. And just like real life, we go in, we ask for a number. They said, not going to happen. And all of a sudden, the friction's there. So yeah. how much are players, today's players, not in the past, but today's players, have you got a sense how much players are involved in this process? Um, the players typically in arbitration, things like this, 
Um, it doesn't really leave the, and this is why, and so like Terry, for example, just because you see these numbers doesn't mean they can't negotiate until the arbitration date. They can still negotiate before. And Terry and the Ducks ended up working out a, a deal before, after this came out, a seven-year, $7 million deal, which is actually, I think, pretty good value. Yes. Um, but Troy Terry, it's basically his agent handling all of this up until, and this is why... And this is why if a player actually makes it to arbitration, things start to relationships get rocky because the player isn't really physically involved unless it actually makes it all the way to arbitration. Because if it makes it all the way to arbitration, the player often attends the arbitration hearing. And then the player is in the room as their boss argues against their value. And that is the moment where that causes cracks and schisms. And it's the reason that while you may have a player get a deal in arbitration, typically within 18 to 24 months, they're gone because it's hard to be in a room where your value is being tanked right in front of your own eyes. When it's just third party things, it's, it's easy. It's easy to have the negotiation. It's just like if somebody's ever had a, anyone listening here has ever had a job negotiation for a salary and it's the person who's hiring you or whatever. It's why the HR, the HR finance guy becomes the fall guy, right? Where you'll be like, oh, I want this much. And they're like, you know what? I'd love to give it to you. Let me see what we can do. And then they call the other guy to make the other guy the bad guy. When you actually make it to arbitration, the bad guy leaves the room or the, the fall guy leaves the room and the two sides look eye to eye and argue. And that's why typically players who actually make it to arbitration rarely stay with the team players who file for arbitration players who put the numbers like this and figure it out before an arbitrator actually has to step through the door it's usually okay but like for example uh toronto right they had a uh it was uh samsonov right samsonov made it all the way to arbitration i would be stunned if samsonov is still with the leafs after next season because they went and they made it all the way to the public the to the the airing of dirty laundry face to face. And that is the start of the beginning of the end. Um, the ducks avoided that while this number was out there publicly, the ducks knew what Terry was doing. Terry knew what the ducks was doing and they still came to a pretty good deal before someone needed to step in the room. Fascinating stuff, my friend. And I will say this, hopefully Sean Shapiro does not go to arbitration because I cannot low play. He's fair market <laughs> value, man. That's why he's on this podcast. That is good stuff. And I will end with this for stars and NHL fans, whoever's listening. If you ever have a question, um, please feel free to hit me up at, at GJ Spittle, at Sean Shapiro, or one of his 46 future social media accounts <laughs> that he will have. And just that's one, what just, just that's, that's, that's my, 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 my pleading for people right now is I would just like one place to do this. Like, <laughs> As I know, it's it's first world problems on every level, but yeah. I just, I really, I don't have the, I don't want to be watching the Traverse City to Prospect Tournament in two in, in a month from now or a month and a half from now and being like, oh, I like how this prospect looks. Do I have to open blue sky threads in Twitter right. and like, which one, like, I just, I just, I just want to be like, yes, so. <laughs> yes, no, you're absolutely right. And we want to be inclusive here on Spits and Suds and you know, a big part of us doing this show is you 
the listener. So if you ever have any questions, you know, we love bringing them up on the program, but we also like answering them immediately for you. It's all about learning and growing together. Sean, you're a beast. I had a blast today. I had a lot of fun with these topics. I think, yeah, it's, I think it's funny that everyone's like, oh, it's the off season and my brain works overtime in off season. And I, mm-hmm. I just think of these things when I'm on dog walks and I'm like, okay, I got to put this in my phone so I don't forget. It's it's funny how some of the stuff will randomly pop up. Um, like there's certain things that uh, I I enjoy. I enjoy a lot of the off season stuff too because I think it gets me. It lets me kind of uh, go down some of the other paths of things I don't normally get to go down. Right where I uh, I'll read some more about some other sports. I'll I'll listen to some other um, listen to some other. Uh, podcasts about other things outside of hockey that maybe I didn't have the time for in the season. And you, you get ideas, think like, for like, like randomly, like, and I, I, I want you to, you be clear to you, Gavin, we are not going deep on this subject right now. We can do it another time. All but right. like, for example, but for example, like I was, uh, uh, started listening to a, uh, kind of one, an, an abridged version of, uh, it's called an abridged version of presidential history with Kenny Ryan, who's the, the, the podcast host where it's like, 30 minute episodes of just kind of the abridged version of what you needed to know about each president. And it talks about their different leadership styles and stuff like that. And it's really interesting. You're like, Oh, and you start to think like you make a note of like, Oh, it's talking about leadership styles. I wonder how that could apply to NHL captains. And you start to like, think about stuff like that randomly that you kind of by, by being outside of the season that maybe applies to it. So um, I'm not comparing presidential leadership styles to captains right now that is not something we are going to do we are going to continue our exit of the show because it's uh it's friday and uh i'm going to uh it's it's friday and i'm gonna go watch some more hockey yeah. uh, at the world junior summer showcase in an hour here and, and you know what's great is is that sean you've been able to yeah you're absolutely right you know i mean something that is tough to do in print that you've been able to do is open up here and you know talk a little bit about your family and watch the game with your kids and stuff like that talking about your favorite lager you know, things like that. So, I mean, I like yeah. showing that side of, uh, you know, Sean Shapiro and I'm kind of the open book guy. And, uh, you know, I just I just throw out sometimes the stupidest questions or the Sam Malone should have his number retired in Boston. And, <laughs> you know, those are just things that my brain thinks of. So why not for the Spits and Suds audience? So everyone go out if you haven't yet buy the book. We win here. It's a terrific uh, book. Uh, written by Sean Shapiro that talks about the Texas stars and many stories that affect the Dallas stars today. So that's the name of the book, or you can find him at EP ringside at chap shots. And what I'm saying is support Sean Shapiro. So that's going to do it for another week of off season broadcast. Sean, have a great weekend. And to everyone else out there, thank you so much for following us this off season. And we will be back next week right here on spits and suds. Have a great day, everyone.